And welcome back to another episode of Code with Kingy, where this time I'm very grateful to be sitting down with current Hawks Bay Magpie and Hurricane Lolangi Vicinia. Uh, Bruss, uh, first off, thank you very much for setting some time aside. And how's things? How's time with the Canes? That's all good. Um, no, yeah, it's been good. Obviously, my first first time, first year down here in Wellington. And um, yeah, especially playing for the Hurricanes. I've enjoyed it so far. I'm a good bunch of boys. And um, good culture, good environment, and yeah, just lucky to be here. Now, I know you're an Auckland boy, so how does Wellington living compare, or even Hawke's Bay living, or France living, or Japan living, bro, from all the places that you've been to? Do you enjoy the Windy City? It's been tough, like, traveling and, you know, going around different places, and obviously, like, yeah, Wellington's a, a lot different from Auckland, you know, busy and, you know, big smoke in Auckland, but, um, yeah, obviously down here in Wellington, um, you know, it's windy and not used to the to the hills and you know the narrow roads and <laughs> but like now nah, I'm actually um enjoying the you know adjustment down here in Wellington. Um obviously away from my family and friends, but um yeah, I've met a met a few uh new bunch of boys down here and um yeah, just enjoying my time here. Um Obviously, I don't know how long I'm going to be here, but um, yeah, I'm just making the most of my opportunities down here. Obviously, you came back to New Zealand at the end of last year, and you're a bit of a different one because, and I mean, we'll get into this as well, the fact that, you know, you came through the ranks, you got thrust into that sort of super rugby scene relatively early on in your career, and then you've actually gone away and spent some time overseas, and now you're back in New Zealand. You know, it was it very different, you know, coming back into the super rugby environment, you know, with all the experiences that you've gone through, and like how, like, how did it compare from your first go-round? Of course, age and, you know, like I said, yeah, experience yeah. is going to obviously factor into how easily you adjust to being a professional athlete, you know, this time around. But, you know, has anything, like, really changed for you? Or do you get what I'm trying um, to get at? Yeah, yeah, I understand. Um, I guess for me, like, growing up in Auckland and going through all those age grades, um, obviously, like, yeah, that, that was my dream and, and goal to be a part of. And um, yeah, I was fortunate enough to play it few few good years with Auckland and the Blues and then um, after that I, I didn't to be honest I didn't know what I was going to be doing and going overseas that wasn't really like on the cards at that time mm-hmm. but I guess like for me that was kind of like an opportunity as well as to experience that side of the, the you know the world of um of the rugby on you know obviously they play a different brand of rugby and uh, I wanted to just try and um, absorb and and learn as much as I could and so hopefully further down the track if I came back, which I did, like, I would, you know, offer, like, some of my experience to some of the young boys coming through and, and yeah, look, look, look where I am now. Like, didn't um, expect to be playing Super Rugby again, like, after leaving, you know, for so long and coming back. But, um, yeah, rugby is obviously different overseas. Um, you know, they like to play a physical and um, direct brand of rugby, so... Coming back here, um, I obviously knew what the what the rugby will be like, and I like kind of fallen pretty easily. Like, yeah, obviously being in that environment before, but yeah, yeah, unreal, bro. This is, I mean, I was I was going to get into questions about 
the different brands and yeah I'll, I'll sort of leave those questions to a little later on because oh, i'll try, try and get through this right. chronologically bro so why don't you take us back to where it all started my man you just mentioned you're an auckland boy so where you know where were you raised and like how did you even get into rugby yeah so i'm um west auckland born and bred i'm um, born and bred uh obviously started at mags man up at grammar school and then finished off my last three years at Castleton boys and that's where pretty much my rugby career kicked on from there um went through the academy and then um, I played one year of the New Zealand Sevens straight out of school, which was a huge achievement for me and my family. And then from then on, I played my first Super Rugby season with the Blues in 2013 and played for four years. And also at the same time, I was playing for Auckland at the time um, in the Mighty Team Cup from 2012 to 16. And then, yeah, from 17, that's when I went over to, um, I made the move to go over to France for a couple of years. I played for Grenoble, which was like an hour away from Lyon. Yeah, enjoyed my time there. I managed to um, go up with that because when I went there, I will, well, we were in second division. And the next year after that, we went up to top 14, which was huge for the club. A lot of... Um, Learnings from that year, you know, obviously tough for a team coming from second division to go up and um, yeah, was fortunate enough to play against like one of the best players in the world. Yeah, and then after that, um, I don't know what I was, I was going to do after that, whether I come back home or try and hold on and see if I get something else in um, France, but um, I was fortunate enough to get an opportunity in Japan uh, with the NEC Green Rockets. Yeah, I was there for a year and then obviously last year with COVID, um, you know, being a huge part of um, you know, all the boys coming back home and um, I didn't have a backup plan. So I was just, just going to come back home and, you know, play club rugby and just go from there. And fortunate enough, I got another opportunity um, from, the, from the Magpies and yeah, just went from there and here I am today. <laughs> this is history so like you've just rattled off bro like you've you've been all over the world with your footy and played different brands against different players um and you're still like i mean you're still relatively young in rugby years bro so you still got a bit of time up your sleeve even now with your time at the canes but i i guess again like starting from the start bro and one of the things for me having done a bit of reading about yourself was that you know you were quite a prodigious talent so, and, and I mean, like I, I played with you a couple of weekends ago, very grateful to have that, um, repping the, the great Wainui Mata, bro. Great to see you in that jersey. But, but I mean, you're, you're a big human, man, um, like even by today's going. So have you have you always been like the biggest kid, you know, or, you know, being one of the bigger guys um, rolling around, like even from a youngster? Yeah, like when I first started playing um, in the junior grades club rugby, um, I was always like the tallest in the team. And, you know, I'd always get, compliments from people like or like just even complaints like saying <laughs> oh like how are you this big and are you even the same age as all these other kids <laughs> and it was a funny story because my dad used to always carry around my my birth certificate just to you know <laughs> give proof that i'm actually that this old <laughs> yeah so yeah, it was pretty crack up eh? but like obviously like you know you can't really do anything about that like i was just enjoying what I was doing, playing rugby and just getting better every year. 
Uh, true, true. I mean, like, I, I probably would would have been one of those kids, bro, being like, holy, <laughs> how are you my age? But I mean, like, I mean, like every, you know, every competition has them, you know, what going through the grades is always the big kid. Yeah. Um, and you just happen to be that fella. And now, interesting enough, now, I, you know, me being a rugby nerd, I remember you, you know, because this is at, at the time when you first started to come onto the scene toward, towards your last couple of years with Kelson Boys. Oh, that was when my rugby yeah. now really picked up and I started doing a lot more reading. So I didn't actually realize that you went to Mags for the first three years. So what, <laughs> what made you transfer out west rather than St. Central? Oh, I guess, like, obviously, like, I wasn't in the zone of the school because I was obviously from West Auckland, but Mags was, like, in Central Auckland. Mm. So, like, and I was, like, away from, like, you know, my close friends, my family and stuff. So, yeah, part of that move was just to be close to my family and, and friends as well. I found it tough being, you know, at a school where I didn't really know anyone or, like, yeah, wasn't enjoying my rugby there as well. So I guess the move was I found the transition pretty easy when I went to Kelston because, you know, obviously I knew a lot of boys there and, my family was there as well so did you end up at mags boarding initially or oh uh, no i wasn't boarding but um because i'll coach back at my rugby club in suburbs at the time when i was in the junior grades he was the he was one of the deans there but he was like a deputy principal i think yeah so he kind of helped me and a few others get there and then you yeah, know from then on i just yeah i just changed my yeah <laughs> no i get there but i only ask because yeah. i'm so i'm from wellington born and raised really but yeah. i spent a year at mag so that just sort of piqued my interest the fact that you spent oh, a bit of time okay. with the lion before taking your yeah. talents back out west or back home <laughs> and I'm, I'm guessing from the success that you had especially your last year at school um i mean yeah. mags went on to win their own national title but i guess yeah. they would have liked to have had you in the first 15 um what you <laughs> thought at school as well bro so Again, like I've, you know, we've gone over the fact that you were one of the bigger kids growing up, and you know, you began to make a name for yourself um, as you progressed through high school and started to go through, you know, all your all the last of your physical developments. It's not like you were a late bloomer. Um, yeah. But what was your time in the first fifteen like? Did you crack it as a year eleven, and then like were you just like the man rolling through? I, I, I'm not trying to get you to, you know, like blow yeah. your own trumpet, but do you get what I mean? Just from the reading that I've yeah, done, yeah, like you, you mm. were very, very successful from a very young age. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I met the first 15 that when I was 16 and um, I was being one of the younger boys coming through, like uh, was, there was a lot of learning and, you know, trying to like adjust from, from you know, under 14s, under 15s straight into first 15. So um, yeah, and, and I was fortunate enough to play with a lot of good players um, throughout Kelston, um, my Kelston years. And I guess like as as I got to my last my last year, like I I was a you know, my confidence was was better than it was when I first started playing and in the first fifteen and and I, I kind of like, you know, grew the love of rugby from that year onwards. I just wanted to try to be the best and, you know, obviously make those rep teams later in the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I was yeah, lucky enough to win a championship with Calston. And not only in that, we won the, the Condor Sevens as well that year. So that was that was a pretty big year for Calston rugby. The bro, the double hitter. So and, and and from what some of the stuff that I've read as well, bro, how do you go on and win the top four final? But 
and I'm not sure if they've got it wrong here, but you didn't win the Auckland 1A. So did you yeah, finish was... runners-up, and then is it how you qualified, or can you run us through it was, Oh, yeah. It was a funny situation, eh? So when they told us leading into the finals, after we had just won the semifinals, they said that we were, we were going to the top four. But I was, I was kind of confused because I was like, oh, so if we lose, we're still going. Like, how does that happen? But apparently, um, St. Kent's, who ended up winning the 1A comp, they, they chose to play in the Coldweed Nationals, Coldweed oh, Top I Four. See. Right. So I, I guess that's how the, you know, the runner-ups ended up going through to the Top Four boys' um, finals. Mm, interesting. Well, that was good for you. Like you just mentioned, you go on to win the national title when you do it in the seven. So again, yeah. a, a dual national champion um, <laughs> in the Rugby Union Code, bro. So your time comes to end um, at school. What well, that would have been twenty. 11 2011 and then yeah so i'm just looking over my notes here bro you've got so many accomplishments it's sort of hard to keep track um <laughs> and then yeah obviously you go on to sign with the auckland academy um and end up making your debut for auckland like straight out of school bro but before we get to that um again with you know with, with being a big name rugby player did you attract any league scouts at that time because i know especially in that auckland 1a competition yeah. like they they do like to go in and have a look at the talent and you know especially at that time with like the toyota cup and the under 20s programs yeah. it's quite attractive for a lot of union boys you know probably guys like uh solomon nikata conrad harrell yeah, who yeah. were big name first of team players then go yeah. to league like did you ever have that sort of come across your plate and did you ever i guess consider mm. it so during the time when i went over with the new zealand secondary schools to oz after one of our games um I had one of the NRL um, scouts come and talk to me and because obviously at that time I didn't know anything about like NRL and stuff and um, and and then coming back to New Zealand like because um, you know obviously like I don't know what the professional environment looked like and all I wanted to do was just you know either represent my country or just play high honours in New Zealand mm-hmm. and you know obviously with the NRL scouts and that coming into the picture like a like it kind of put me into, you know, two minds, but I kind of knew what my heart wanted to do was to play, you know, union and play, try and make the biggest um, team in New Zealand. But um, yeah, like I had a few, um, I had a few interests from from league, especially when I played in, uh, in that national sevens for Auckland down in Queenstown. So I had a good, um, campaign with the Auckland team we ended up taking it out and then I had more um, interest in the NRL as well and it was tough for me because you know I wanted to at the same time I wanted to keep playing union and you know try and you know go further in my rugby in New Zealand but at the same time like I, I was looking at that as an opportunity as well. Bro. I mean, it, it must mm. <laughs> again I, I will never understand what it's like to be um, wanted um, elsewhere bro I sign up and play club <laughs> footy and I had to do the best of my situation but I, I, I guess especially as like a youngster and I, and I mentioned the yeah. fact that uh, around that time you know with your age group you know the, the the 20s was a massive thing especially with the Warriors they were very successful at that time with those with that mm. age group stuff and it's almost you know the the well I, I don't really know the ins and outs of the league system but you know, again, like you're on tally in comparison to, you know, like if you're only playing in the Auckland age grade stuff, unless you make the top team, which you were fortunate yeah. to do quite early on, you can sort of, 
you know, be like, oh man, I can be in the limelight over in Australia, bigger market, yada, yada, yada. Mm. You know, they're probably throwing around bigger ball figure numbers. I mean, I, I don't know. This is just what I'm, I'm, I'm all presuming, bro. So I can get how that can be quite a, a, a nice mm. distraction in a way. Like you said, like, I mean, you obviously yeah. had your goals with the union, but you're like, well, if someone over here is wanting me as well, you know, like I have to yeah. at least consider it. But yeah, obviously you chose to um, stick with the 15s code. And yeah, like I mentioned, you go on to sign with Auckland and, you make your debut for the blue and white hoops later on that year, your, your first year out of school. But in yes. between that time as well, you mentioned the fact that you played sevens for New Zealand as well. So did that come off the back of like, you just hit that really successful campaign uh, down in Queenstown? Yeah. So obviously I'm, um, you know, playing well and winning with the, the Auckland team. Um, I was fortunate enough to be named in that. It was like a wider squad camp. So I think there was like 32 players that were selected from that national tournament. And then, yeah, went to the first couple of camps and then there were 15 contracts up for grabs that year, or that start of 2012. And yeah, I was lucky enough to be one of those 15 um, boys that were contracted. And yeah, it was a special moment for me because at the time, before that, I didn't see myself going further in sevens. I I just like playing sevens because it was fun, but then to be able to be, you know, picked in the national team was, was, was really special. Yeah, bro, I can only imagine. I mean, like, you, you mentioned the fact that you played for um, the New Zealand schools, which would have been a, a big honour, but then, yeah, to roll into a senior uh, national men's team yeah. would have been next level, bro. But just quickly before we get back to the 15th, at that time, it would have been run by Gordon Titchens. Um, yes. I mean, what, what what can you talk about with him, bro, and, like, what were his trainings like in comparison oh. to all the pre-seasons and stuff that you've gone through as a professional? That was that's probably one of the toughest um campaigns that I've been in. Eh? Um, you know, obviously coming from school rugby, like I didn't really, I, I wasn't really like a, a hard out gym freak, or you know, I wasn't really into like my my nutrition and all that fitness and stuff. But then going into that environment, like it kind of opened my eyes and you know, and realized how how professional and how you know, um, different it is in in the bigger world. You know, because all those little things, you know, adds up to the person you are. So, like, I had to try to kind of transition pretty quickly, like, um, you know, getting my diet right and, you know, doing my extras in the gym and on the field, my fitness and stuff. And going to that first camp, like, oh, I was real nervous, eh? Like, I didn't know what to expect. And then, you know, first couple of days, was just we did a lot of testing and just to see where we are. And then, you know, we got stuck into it and, yeah. I had to say, like, that was, it was really, really tough, eh? Like, I think at the end of day three, I was like, I was like spewing up and like on the <laughs> ground, like, <laughs> just, oh, I felt like my body just gave up, eh? Like, <laughs> that's how hard it was. Oh, yeah, he's, um, he's a legendary figure, obviously with the success that he's had, but also for uh, the running blocks and the conditioning drills that he's, yeah. or that he had put his boys through and what he's done with the Samoan teams and, so on um but back to the 15s bro so you spend a bit of time with the sevens you always you get your fitness levels up you become accustomed or you acclimatize to being more of a professional athlete you know having been fast tracked from school and you're thrown into the Auckland team and you end up making your debut for that team that same year so I mean like what can you recall from that time you know considering it, it, it is a fair while ago I mean you would have only be like 18 19 when you made the team like were you quite starstruck 
you know, being in and around those boys, you know, especially being a local boy. And then what can you recall of your debut and, you know, actually playing that year and like how big a jump was it for you? You know, and, and be honest about it. You know, if you didn't find it, for, was yeah. that big a jump or maybe it was like, you know, this is all within a year of being playing with your mates, playing for the pride of your school, just having fun. And then bang, a year later, <laughs> you're, you're, you're playing with men, you know, like making a living. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty, um, pretty big, eh? Like, um, obviously coming back from the sevens and then had to transition back into 15s. So I had to go play a little bit of club rugby and then and then getting picked for Auckland. Um, yeah, it was I was starstruck, to be honest. Like, you know, watching guys on TV, like all, all your idols and and then the next thing you're like running next to them at training and, you know, playing with them. So, yeah, that was that was something big for me. And um, that, that first year, I just wanted to try and learn, you know, from, from all the experienced guys. And, and if I got an opportunity, I, I would have, yeah been really um happy and which i did you guys ended up finishing at runners up that year if my notes are correct bro so a, a pretty successful campaign for auckland as a whole that year yeah we yeah, we we ended up being in the final of canterbury and um down in christchurch and it's always hard playing canterbury down there in christchurch um you know i think they got a good record down there against any other teams that played them so yeah we, we, yeah, we knew it was going to be tough going down there and playing them and uh, I was just lucky to to get on in the final and and even score my first try for Auckland which was really special even though we didn't get the result but yeah yeah well again for you bro like it would have just been a bit of a whirlwind you know the the the, the pace at which uh you know you were transitioning into the professional ranks and things only got bigger for you even rolling into that summer being invited to train with the blues so again, man, like, sorry to be repetitive with the questions, but how big That's a jump good. was that then, you know, going to Super Rugby, having gone from school, Sevens, Auckland, and now you're even with, like, the best of the best yeah. in the country? Yeah, that was even a bigger step. You know, obviously, um, at the time, I was I was wider squad, so I was just, yeah, happy to be in that, in that environment. But, like, you know, obviously the trainings and, and stuff was a, was a bit harder now because you know you're competing against you know some of the best rugby players in New Zealand and I had to you know um step up my game and you know do everything right because you know everyone's fighting for spot and um and that and that team and if I'm not if I'm not ready or if I'm not not up to it then you know I won't there's no point of being in the team so yeah like I just took what I what I learned in in the Auckland team and 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 took it with me when I when I was with the Blues team and um yeah obviously like there's you know you know there was All Blacks in the team and and that was something that um something special that 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 I thought um going into into the environment yeah hundred bro and one of the things I like to ask the boys because I mean at the end of the day you know I mean you've obviously become. Um, used to it now being around you know big name rugby players but being a youngster especially when like you're first initially in those teams it can be quite weird to be training next to a guy that you are watching on tv you know for someone like you only maybe six 12 months earlier so <laughs> can you point out a, a player that you know when you first saw them you know walking across the gym floor or you're receiving a pass from them in a passing drill like out on the field like was there a guy that you were like holy i cannot believe i'm playing with this guy or could be playing with this guy this year yeah, so yeah, um, it was one of the guys I was really like stoked to be like you know training and playing with him was um, Jerome Kainer. 
Um, you know, he's he's one of the big role models in Auckland Blues rugby and even in the All Blacks. And yeah, like to be like passing the ball and you know running like running next to him, like that was something like special. But at the same time, I was like kind of shy and nervous at the same time because I didn't know how to approach him. <laughs> so it was pretty crack, I mean, like I'll, I'll be like inside, I'll be like, wow, this is me, this. And then like, you know, I'm like quiet and trying to like, I, I don't know, I, I probably I was too scared if I said something and, and, and you know, he'd probably think, oh, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> yeah. So no, nah, no, nah, it, was, it was pretty mean. It was a mean buzz, like, you know, getting to train alongside him and a few other boys like Charlie from Wiener, um, you know, Charles Putao and all those boys. Pity Wepu. Yeah, bro, crazy, bro. I can only imagine. And just to follow that question up, you know, like, like you mentioned, it, it's 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 an awkward position to be in as a young guy because you, you're coming in and you almost feel like you don't want to step on anyone's toes and you don't want to say the wrong things. But as you mentioned just before that, bro, you know, at the same time, you know, everyone's fighting for a spot. And, you know, you wouldn't be picked there if the coaches and the selectors didn't think that you were good enough to, you know, potentially crack on, you know, even that early on. So for you, did it take you a while to actually come out and actually want to stamp your mark in these trainings? You know, like, you know, when you're going to like a tackle drill, you know, putting Jerome on his ass mm -hmm. or when you're doing like one-on-ones, you know, trying to whack Charles Piatel, even though you're like, holy, you know, you know, I want them to be my friend, you know, because I don't know, because you're a young guy and, you know, these are your idols. But, you know, like, did you find that, quite hard to get over um, like quite early on yeah 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 i yeah i understand what you're saying um yeah to start like uh, i think i kind of had like a slow start like i just i just wanted to see like get a feel of how things were in that environment and then as the year went on then that's when i started to like you know actually like no you know i'm actually here for a reason like and i need to you know step up my game and try and compete and you know be the best I can to get in, in order for me to get an opportunity. So like, yeah, as the year went, then I just started like, I just like, even though I knew they were like, you know, they were pretty up there. Like I just put my head down and, you know, I just did whatever I could to, you know, be as good as them or like be like them really. Right. So, yeah. Um, and, and it obviously paid off. Like you said, all, all that hard work you were doing because you ended up making your debut for the blues. Um, in 2013 uh, against the Chiefs. So was that due to, you You know, maybe a run of injuries? Um, or like, can you take us back um, to like how, how that week even like played out? You know, like where were you when you got named? You know, like who was the first person you told? And then even getting on the field, bro, like how surreal a moment was that for you? So it kind of like started a few weeks before that. So because that year was the under-20s World Cup and we were in France. Um, as the under twenties campaign finished, um, I was at the. It was funny because I was at the airport, the Paris airport, getting ready to come back home. And then the, the manager at the time for Blues, he calls me and he's like, "Oh, you're you're getting on the flight, getting um, you're going on a plane straight to um South Africa." And I was like, "Oh," because I didn't I didn't realize I didn't know that I got named in the traveling team with the Blues to go to South Africa. So then I was like, oh, shucks. Like, you know, I was shocked, but I was happy at the same time because it was a good opportunity. Obviously just finished, you know, playing in the under-20s World Cup and going straight to South Africa to meet with the, the boys, the Blues boys. And that was like, that was something special for me, even though I didn't play in those two weeks, but like 
just to be around that team and to see how it is over there. And then the week after that, we came back to New Zealand after the two weeks in South Africa. And that's when I got named for my um, debut, which was special. But leading up in that week, um, in, that, in, the, in, that, in that week when we played the Chiefs, um, I was just like real excited. Like I, I, I think the nerves and, you know, they all, all kind of went away because obviously I was off the team two weeks before that. So I kind of like felt like, you know, I was part of the team and I was comfortable and you know my confidence was pretty good at the time and what do you remember of the game bro like was it you know when you got on the pitch or even when you're warming up like was it mm. like holy you know you obviously got the crowd around you you obviously would have had your family there and then yeah when the uh when the trainer or whatever's like hey Lulangi, you know like get <laughs> on, you know like go, go find the touchy and then you get on and yeah. you run on you're like uh like can do you remember your first touch was it a tackle was it a high ball um, like I think I had a pass from Charles Guto. So, because I started that game and like, yeah, like even in the warm up, like I was just buzzing hard out and just looking around, like, you know, and then just coming running out of the, out of the, out of the tunnel and then, you know, seeing all the fans and just the atmosphere. And, and then, yeah, like when the whistle went, I just wanted, uh, in my head, I was like, make sure whatever I do first, I'm going to make sure I nail it. Like, whether it's a tackle, if it's a high ball or like, someone passing me the ball just make sure I catch the ball and make sure I like you know so yeah yeah no nah, the game it went so fast like it it just went, it felt like the the game just started and then it was half time like in five minutes <laughs> so I guess like everything just happened pretty quickly and yeah oh, and I don't have the result here bro did you but did you guys go on and win that game I think we just lost mm. yeah still a special just occasion lost though yeah, no, yeah, that was special, yeah. And then, yeah, obviously, you see out the rest of the year with the team. Um, and then yeah. just to fast forward, bro, you, you spend the next three years uh, being in the mix with that team. And you ended up with 34 caps and, from what I've got here, 37 points in total. So, you know, a pretty good stint, you know, like in, in the Super Rugby yeah. space, especially for a guy of your age. Um, but, you know, I, I, I do want to sort of take a, a bit of a, a left turn here. and I um, mm. But, you know, Obviously, at the end of your time with the Blues and just before you left to um, go over to France to take up that contract yep. over there, I, 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 I remember at the time and even looking through some of the writing, you know, from your from your choice mm -hmm. to leave, bro, there were, and again, building off what we talked about with you being such a talented youngster, there were people that thought that, you know, you never quite lived up, you know, to your potential or never mm. quite met the expectations that were put on you, you know, unfairly, yeah. you know, like you don't put these yeah. expectations on yourself um yeah after being such a standout youngster and part of this was to injury I, I read that you you struggled with a few injuries um over the course yeah. of your time with the blues and also when yeah. you're competing with the likes of charles piatel george moala i mean like benji marshall was even there for a stint mm. um frank Halai <laughs> was an all black you know like well, these yeah. these are big name players that you're trying to compete with week in week out who are working just as mm. hard as you to get named in that starting team so um i guess my question bro to to wrap this all up is you know for you um, and what I'm guessing is a time that you probably would have reflected on quite a lot yeah. you know, since you departed New Zealand and even coming back now. What was it that didn't quite click for you while you were there? Like I mentioned, you had all this, all this expectation on you and you know, yeah. you've been fast-tracked, but it just didn't quite work out, you know, maybe even the way that you saw or maybe, maybe that's not the case. You know, maybe that was just the, the way that people saw it of you. So, yeah. You, you, yeah. 
I'm, I'm trying, um, I don't know, but I'm trying to be as respectful as possible as here because you know I'm. I'm yeah, no, 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 that's all right. I understand. Yeah, no, yeah, um, in that last year, 2016, um, yeah, that was a that was a probably one of the toughest years for me, um, like especially for my rugby, um, yeah, like knowing that that was my last year, and then and like and then the pressure to try and like you know play well to you know fight for another contract. Um, in New Zealand like you know that was a lot and especially like I was going through a lot mentally as well so yeah I, I guess I didn't play to the best of my ability that year or like I didn't take my chances or opportunities but um, you know everything happens for a reason I just you know after that season after that year I just looked back and you know thought or oh, you know I could have done this better or if, if I did this you know you know, I just, yeah, took it on the chin and then, like, and then now I had to think what I'll, what my next move was and, um, you know, obviously talking to my agent and then um, coming back to me with this opportunity to go overseas, I kind of looked at it as, like, another, you know, like a new, what do you call it? Beginning, a new chapter? Yeah, like a new, yeah, new chapter, yeah. And then, and like to also like better my game and, you know, and also as an individual as well. Mm. So, um, yeah, it was tough, like leaving, leaving home because, you know, I always wanted to play for the Blues and I just wanted to, you know, give it everything. But like, you know, like I said, like everything happens for a reason. And, and with me going like, because at the time, I think I was 23 years old and I was still pretty young like to leave New Zealand and go play overseas because normally normally the players would leave at like in their late 20s or early 30s mm-hmm. but like I found it as a you know as like a new yeah new chapter new beginning and I just wanted to try and learn as much as I could overseas because obviously you know the the way they play rugby is, is a lot different to how they play here in New Zealand and I wanted to you know try and bring that with me, you know, if I come back to New Zealand, which I ended up doing, but yeah, hundred percent, bro. And I, and I think like uh, if we take a step back and you know we actually look at you know your career before you left New Zealand or before you came back, mm. um, I mean you'd been in and around professional environments for four to five years, and yeah, you know, like you mentioned, you left the country at twenty three, which is actually normally a time you know the age twenty three is when players are usually just coming into their own so i guess it just showed mm-hmm. like how much of a, a young veteran you were you know in terms of like, <laughs> going on to start your new chapter but and yeah. i mean I, obviously i was always wanting to ask this before leading into this interview bro it's something that i thought about over the weekend and i think that you know your example is a really interesting one because i don't think this sort of stuff gets talked about enough um especially mm. with with players coming through and and the pressure that's get that gets put on young guys especially uh our young pacifica and young maori yeah. boys because you know they they just come from a different world than um than, than our pakia brothers um yeah. so and, and you touched on you know you not being quite right in the mental space in 2016 and and, I, and mm. i'm guessing a lot of that would have come off the back of you know like maybe worrying about what other people thought of you and you know mm. like the the fact that you know, like, oh, you know, you're the man, Lolangi, you're the man, you're the man, you're the man. And then you get to a space where 
you know, things just aren't quite clicking. And like you said, things happen yeah. for a reason, you know, like you're not the first yeah. guy that's gone through this and you're not going to be the last. Um, but, you know, because I'm, I'm a guy that's never going to understand, you know, your situation, you know, one from a talent perspective, but again, mentioning, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very fortunate to come from a, a relatively affluent background um, and, yeah. you know, that that's, it's probably a different scenario to, to what you were raised in, bro. So just from a, from a mental space, bro, if, if you don't mind being transparent, you know, like how, like how heavy was that, was that expectation on your head, bro? Just, you know, all, all of that outside pressure, like during your time, you know, with the blues and in, being in that environment. Yeah. So just like, you know, for the pressure, like, you know, not being able to play and, and then knowing that, oh, this could be my last, you know, time playing for the Blues and and just not knowing what's going to happen at the same time, so the uncertainty. And then on top of that, like, you know, expectations from, like, you know, family and other people, like, you know, or oh, why are you not playing or what are you going to do, all that stuff. And it mm -hmm. all kind of just bubbled up in my head because I didn't, to be honest, I didn't have, I didn't really have anyone to, like, talk about that stuff. And it was just my partner. So, like, it was hard for me, like, to, like, you know, express, like, how I was feeling at the time. And, you know, I was just grateful and that I had my partner with me and and to, like, kind of lean on her shoulder and tell her, like, you know, this is how I'm feeling. Like, this is what's been going on. And, you know, I just can't, at the time, I didn't know how to, like, you know, just let everything out. 100%, bro. And that's mm. the other thing as well with you boys, right? Because unlike a lot of other industries, you guys are judged on a weekly basis. So one week yeah. you can be Superman and then the next week, you know, everyone's down yeah. on you because you dropped a couple of balls or yeah. you didn't kick that conversion. So it's a, it's a, yeah. you know, it's, it's a very sort of fluctuating industry if that makes sense. And this, this sort of thing, and it's the reason why I want to touch on a bro, like with anyone that I get on, you know, especially with, with rugby careers, you know, people see all the glitz and glamour with you boys, you know, you guys yeah. are on TV, you guys earn a pretty good, wicket and you get to travel quite a bit but what they don't see is all the stuff that goes on in the background and like you said because you can be in and out of a team within a week I don't think people really comprehend what that does for a player's psyche and that when yeah. you know like for example if you're coming back from an injury or you've been dropped and then you get your opportunity a month later you know yeah. there's a lot of pressure that goes into that game because you're like well if I don't perform again then I'm gonna get dropped again or if yeah. such and such happens or like for you you know like you've gone through you know you'd left school, you'd been a rugby player pretty much from the time you took off your school uniform and then you get into your last year with the Blues and you're not even sure if you're going to have a contract to be a professional rugby player the following year. Like I, I could not even imagine, you know, that sort of thing and dealing with that as such a, a young guy. I mean, like, I'm still trying to figure out my own life, bro, let alone the expectation of providing yeah. for a partner or, you know, like being so used to being in a certain environment. So... Yeah. yeah um yeah thank you for for opening up about that bro and yeah, yeah it's just it's something that i that i like to try and promote because you know i don't think yeah. you know, like i said people quite get how hard it yeah. is to be a rugby player a lot of people yeah. say they can do it bro but there's a lot of stuff that goes into it that isn't seen yeah. Eh? yeah a lot of people always talk about like oh it must be mean being able to like get paid just to like go to training and stuff but like there's a lot there's a lot of other things that you know they don't know about like in the background and you know what what goes on behind the curtains you know like there's a whole lot of different um aspects that you know rugby players gotta go through mm -hmm. and thankfully like you said bro and like from what i've read you know like you're a happy man now and 
you know, you've, you've moved on from that and you've learned from it and you're using your experience to give our younger players, some of the guys that you're probably in and around with the Hurricanes now, giving them advice as to yeah. how to deal with that sort of stuff to ensure that, you know, perhaps they don't go through some of the dark times that you would have gone through mm. yourself, bro. But on to a more positive note, my man, um, you move over to France, you start your new chapter, fresh yeah. slate. And, lo- and like you mentioned, you, you start in Div 2 and then move up to Div 1. And, and you mentioned like it's a different brand of rugby over there. So you would have yeah. only added to your tool belt as a rugby player. But even from like a lifestyle perspective over in France, like did you enjoy it? You know, was is Grenoble like quite a nice weathery place or is it cold? Like what was your time like, you know, when you first got over there as a 23, 24-year-old? Yeah, so when I when I arrived there, it was, I think it was in the middle of summer or just started and it was real hot. So like, yeah, that, I found it hard, like adjusting to the, you know, the climate, you know, the time, because obviously they're, you know, like 10, 11 hours behind New Zealand, something like that. So like, yeah, there's a lot, whole lot of factors that I had to like adjust to. But yeah, um, Grenoble, pretty much like the Queenstown of France. So a lot of mountains, snow, all of that. So in the winter it was real bad. Like it would be snowing for like four months straight. <laughs> and it was real cold. So it rained a lot as well. So yeah. Wasn't really the <laughs> paradise I was expecting, but uh <laughs> nah, it was I was actually all right, eh? Like, you know, the just the culture was real it was real tough. I found that like, you know, the people and and just how the way they do things over there was really hard. Obviously the language barrier falls falls into place as well. But yeah, I just found it difficult like getting around and like, you know, if you needed help with anything, like it was it was real tough. Yeah. you probably didn't have the, the old google translate on the iphones like you probably do these days um oh i actually yeah. had it on my one. Oh, you did oh <laughs> it was crack but it wasn't really accurate so like yeah 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 like when the people look at you and then they're like oh like what's this guy talking about what is he yeah so but we had to like take um french classes throughout the week just to like you know try and learn the basic stuff and you know so you can get around and if people like talk to you you know what to say and how to react and stuff so are you are you a fluent french speaker now no 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 not fluent yeah oh yeah i know that but like it was hard because like would have a full day of training and then would have french class straight after training so oh, there'll be days where you'll be sitting in there and it's like coming through one year and it goes up the other year. <laughs> this sounds like yeah. my time at school, bro. We had a translator. <laughs> it helped because we had a translator, which was good. Like, you know, like if you had like a interview or if you had to go like to a promo or something, like there was always someone there to translate for you in case you're stuck. Yeah, yeah. Always handy to have those guys um, <laughs> on hand. And then, yeah, just from a rugby perspective, bro, like how much did you grow as a player in those two years that you spent with that team? Like what what did, what would you say that changed about the way you approached the game? Like did your kicking um, get better, your comms? Yeah. I guess for me, like I found out that my comp, like my confidence grew a lot more than like when I was playing here in New Zealand. I felt like I was playing safe too much. Like, you know how you kind of, you kind of risk or take that next next step. But um yeah, 
so when I was in playing in France, like I got a lot, a lot more confident, and I just played my game. Like even though like they tell you the way they want you to play the game, but deep like in my mind, like I knew like this is how I was gonna play, and you know if they don't like it, they don't like it. But I, I'm just gonna, <laughs> yeah. I just pretty much went out there and expressed myself, and and then they kind of understood how I was playing, and they actually started liking it. So which was good. They went. They worked both ways. And um, yeah, my kicking game was good. I I actually worked a lot on my kicking over there because over in France or in Europe in general, like they rely a lot on like you know kicking. And yeah, I grew I grew heaps in my kicking and yeah. Also, um, my running game because I was playing fullback, so I, I was just running everything as well, eh? like my counter attack and every chance I got the ball in my hands, I just just ran hard and try and. I think on my first season, I scored like 14 tries, 15 tries or something like that. Unreal. Yeah, so I was fortunate <laughs> enough to get dot down a few times and had some good wins. Yeah, bro. Ended up cracking the top 14 and getting to play with the, like I mentioned before, the best players in France. And then yeah. so you spend that year there and, and, and you mentioned the fact that it was quite an adjustment having to go from Div 2 to Div 1 because you're competing with teams with better players and you guys are having to get used to, I guess, taking that next step up. So, and from what I've read, um, you guys ended up having to go back down um, the following year <laughs> after your first year in the top 14. So we won't reflect on that time too much. Um, so from there, you you um, you um take your talents from France over to Japan. And like yep. you mentioned, you play for the NEC Green Rocket. So another, you know, culture shock for you, having to move to a different country, you know, play a different brand of rugby um, in a different environment. So how do you compare moving over to Japan from moving from New Zealand to France? Like, was it a bigger culture shock because of the way that, you know, the Asian communities operate? And, you know, what was the rugby like uh, for you? I actually, to be honest, if I had to be honest, like I actually enjoyed my time in Japan more than I did in France. I guess, like, obviously a different lifestyle, different culture, and different, you know, brand of rugby, but I think just the people in general, like, they're really, like, respectful and they're really nice. Like, I found that really helpful for me, like, transitioning into, like, when I arrived in Japan, like, they really helped me a lot off the field as well. And obviously the rugby was, like, for us, like, it wasn't good because, you know, we weren't getting the results, but, like, I enjoyed, like, playing that brand of rugby over there. It was just a fast-flowing game and, you know, like, and the Japanese boys, they, like, they respect who you are and, like, how you play and stuff. So, like, if you tell them, I'll do this, do that, they'll actually, they'll listen. Yeah, they, um, they go 100 mile an hour, those, those mm. Japanese boys. Yeah, they, it's almost, oh. they have no regard for their body from some of the <laughs> highlights tapes that I've seen of them. Um, but even from, like, a training perspective, bro, like, uh, it's, I don't know, it's such, like, a... I wouldn't want to say it's weird, but just from the the stuff that I've drawn on from mm. um, all the highlights that I've seen online and the facilities that they use, like it is, like it does look very, very professional. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's sort of being a sleeping giant in a way. I mean, like obviously their players are probably not as physically developed as the rest mm. of the world, but like I mentioned, they, they, they you know, they, they put their body on the line every time they go out. And do you see it as a place that you, you know, want to return to, you know, sometime down the line mm. in comparison to Europe? Like, yeah you know what i mean like because i've heard that the, yeah. you know it's less of a toll on the body it's nicer mm. weather you know like the yeah it just seems like it's a 
a better lifestyle, you know, if you if you're not wanting yeah. to go through as much pain. Yeah. So obviously on on that on that subject, how you talk about how they like they work hard and stuff and and which they do, like, you know, um some of these boys that that like that's just like they have on a they have a normal job, like a nine to five job. And then they come so rugby's like kind of like their part time. Oh true. So yeah, so they they obviously work, then they come to train, and that's why whenever they come to training, like they actually give it their, you know, 110%. And, and like even like up, like some nights would be finished and they're still outside on the field doing extras and that, and that just shows how much like passion and, and love they have for the sport. And yeah, and, and a lot of us foreigners, like we, you know, we respect that and like, you know, just shows how much they put their time in, into rugby. And, and yeah, like, um, when I came back to New Zealand, like, you know, obviously coming coming back and looking back at um, my time in Japan, like, uh, yeah, I actually loved it there, eh? like, just everything, like, not not just rugby, but just, you know, lifestyle and the culture. And and I, I actually, like, saw myself, like, you know, oh, this could be something like I'd rather do or like I want to do and, and to finish my career as well, like, over there. So hopefully, if I get the opportunity again to go back to Japan, like um, yeah, I'll take it with two hands. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a plan, my man. Um, and then off the back of that, you mentioned the the year that was twenty twenty. It was a a weird year to say the least. Um, the weirdest in my yeah. lifetime, or the weirdest in most people's <laughs> lifetimes. And yeah. the the cancellation of the the Japanese season saw a lot of boys come back home to New Zealand because they didn't have something to fall back on. Um, mm. So similar to you. And so you mentioned the fact you come back to New Zealand and you didn't actually have anything lined up. You, like you, like you said, you'd mentioned that you were going to just be content with playing club rugby and then take yeah. whatever opportunities arose from there. So how did the deal from Hawks Bay come about? So maybe like around February or, or just March, like in Japan last year, I was, like I had to kind of think ahead of what, what I was going to do because I, I was only signed for one year over there. And like, you never know, like another team could be keen or so like, and then when COVID happened, like um, the coaches for Magpies, um, or the head coach, um, Mark Ozage, um, he messaged me and he asked me and he was like, oh, are you, uh, do you know what you're doing at the end of the year? And, and I was like, oh, at the States, uh, I didn't really have anything lined up. So I'll probably just go back to Auckland and play club. And because oh, um, oh, I don't know if you know, but Mark Ozich, he taught me at Calston and he was my coach as well. So we kind of have like this connection. Oh, right. So then right. like, yeah, and I told him, I'm like, I'll be, and then he said, oh, would you be keen to come down to the Bay and, um, you know, play play down there? And then I was like, oh, like that, that could be something like I'd be interested in. Mm-hmm. And I told him, I was like, you know, if I, if the year goes on and I got still got nothing, I'll be definitely keen to come down. So then, and then when COVID hit and had to come back home and, you know, obviously in lockdown, I couldn't really do anything. So I just, I thought to myself, oh, I want to use this time just to like maintain my fitness and stay healthy because you never know, like something could pop up. And then during that time, during lockdown, um, we just, I just kept talking off, um, with Mark and yeah, just went from there and ended up going to, down to the bay and yeah, playing for the Magpies. And what a year that was, bro! You guys ended up taking out the Mighty Ten Championship. You win the Ramfurly Shield, and then I even saw 
at the Hawks Bay prize giving, you got awarded rookie of the year. So you must be one of the <laughs> oldest rookies of the year ever, bro. But um, on that point, though, uh, one of the things that stood out for me, and I, and I talked with one of your teammates, Joel Hintz. He's a guy that I used to go to school with earlier this year, oh, yeah. or late last year, actually. And being frank, you know, I didn't watch a lot of Mighty Team Cup, but from yeah. the games that I did watch, you boys happened to be on um, numerous times. And it was just, just the way that you always played. It just looked like all of you were having fun. And even the brand of rugby that you played, it was just a really sexy, attractive brand of rugby. Yeah. So how much of all that stuff off the field, you know, enjoying the crap, enjoying being around the boys, how much did that actually play into you guys being so successful in, in the run that you went on at the, at the back end of the year? Yeah, so yeah, obviously you just spoke about how the campaign went, but um, yeah, I, I guess it, it goes, it falls back on like um, the culture and how how we do things outside of like you know rugby. So I, I felt like all the all of the boys were really tight, like we had a tight group, and yeah, we just did a lot of the things together, like whether we go for coffee or we go for lunch or go for dinner, like things like that, like and that kind of grew the on stronger and stronger and every time we went to train like everyone was all in like no matter what we were doing or if there were if there were times or weeks where like you know we had a loss like everyone came together and we 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 actually talked and found like ways on how to how to get back on on the track and you know get better and yeah and I think I guess that's how like how it showed on tv like the way we were playing like everyone just knew what we're doing and and how we're doing it and stuff yeah obviously you know the the proof was in the pudding when it um came to you guys and like i said on your results at the, at the back end of the year we picked up mm. quite a bit of silverware um and then even <laughs> for you personally bro like obviously you would have grown as a player since you left new zealand but coming back into the mitotin environment or the provincial environment yeah. you know, did you find that the game because i mean like you carved up bro like you, you just came back <laughs> and carved up so did you find that the game had maybe dropped off at the provincial level or did you think it was the same or, you know, was it harder? Like how did, you know, cause again, like you've, you've had such a, a different experience to a lot of guys where you've played provincial gone overseas and then come back. So yeah. like, what was it like coming back? And then were you just like, heck, this is far easier than what I went through over in France. Like, like how does that, how does all the rugby compare from your, from the start of your career to now? Um, I guess like, me coming back, like, because I've been like, I'm, I was, I've, when I was overseas, I was still following, like, and watching games. And to me, like, I felt like it kind of changed a little bit, but in a good way. So when I came back, and like, obviously, I've been away for a while, and, and it, things would have changed. And I just had to adapt straight away, like, and, and how, how the boys were playing. And, and it kind of fell in place. Like, I, I felt like I, um, adapted well and and I was enjoying it as well too so because um, you know I was on the wing and and they just told me like you know every time you get the ball just run hard and you know do all of this and that and it kind of you know it kind of worked out for me in that way to wing his dream let's <laughs> get the ball and put the ball down over the try line that's what I tell my wingers bro but um... <laughs> No, no, to be fair, bro, like at the club level, um, not to not to make this about me, yeah, my, my wingers are pretty handy. So yeah, <laughs> back to back to you, my bro. 
like I said, like off the back of like having such a stellar season for yourself, you know, taking home that, that rookie of the year award, uh, <laughs> you end up signing for the Canes and you've been yeah. in that environment and you've been been with the boys all over the summer and then mm. did the Aotearoa competition and then now you're rolling into that Trans-Tasman. So, and I mean, I've, I've already asked you like, you know, what it's been like, you know, living in, living in the Windy City in comparison to where you've been yeah. across the world, bro. But I mean, like, even like for you now, you know, you're, you're still training, you're going to be with the boys, see out the competition, but what, 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 what are yep. the plans for you moving forward? Like, are you going back to the Bay and then like, are you then just going to, again, just put your best foot forward there and then see what happens with Super Rugby next year? Or like, can you tell me anything about what's in the plans for you in the immediate future? Um, at this stage, um, I'm still talking with my agent, but like, yeah, I guess the plan for me is just to, you know, finish the, Trans Tasman, and then go back and play for Hawks Bay and the the new um, what was it called? NPC Bunnings? Is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah. It was called yeah, yeah. So yeah, after that, um, I don't know what I'm doing for the first half of next year. So I guess the only way, you know, to find out is just to whatever opportunity and games I get with the Hurricanes is just to play hard and and then when I go back to um Hawks Bay. Um, just yeah, have another good season, and then I, I, I guess, or I hope you know, I open more doors for opportunities either overseas or also with that um you know new team um coming into the competition next year, the Moana Pacific. They'll be one of the you know my my options at looking at is if if I get the chance, um, there could be another you know pathway for me. So yeah. Yeah, that sounds like a plan, bro. And if and if you play anything like you did for Wainui Mata a couple of weeks ago, you know the, <laughs> the the rugby stuff off the field, all the contract stuff will take care of itself. Um, yeah. But so that's um that, that's a that's an awesome wrap on what you, what your career's been like so far, um, bro. <laughs> but what I want to do, I've got two more segments to run by you. I, I know that I've pressing you for time. Um, just before that's I let good. you go. And so, the first one is, can you take us through what your game day routine looks like? Game day, game day routine. Um, normally, I like a bit of a sleeping, but there are times where I wake up early, and then if I wake up earlier, then I'll have breakfast. Um, yeah, I just I love my bacon and eggs on toast, and my flat white coffee, and then um, because I, I I'm I'm a bit of like a game freak, so I like playing games whether it's on my phone or on PlayStation. Like you know, I try and not not spend too much time on it, but probably like an hour, and then yeah, I just chill. Like to chill, and then and then I have a nap in the middle of the day. Yeah, and then I just starting start getting ready slowly, getting ready for the game. I don't really get nervous like you know the hours leading up to the game, but I get nerves like just before warm up starts. That's when I start getting nervous and then, yeah, just go out there and play. Do you have any superstitions? Do you have to put like a left sock on before the right sock or do you listen to like a certain playlist or do you have to listen to a certain uh, song before you go out? Anything like that? Oh, when I put my socks on, I always put my right one first. <laughs> I don't know why, but yeah. <laughs> hey, bro, everyone has their thing. All right. Um, and My last segment, bro, so I call this one 10 in the bin. So I've just got 10 questions for you. And you just answer them uh, for me as honestly as possible. All right. Well, question number one: What is your go-to vessel at a pre-drinks on a night out? 
Um, cruises. Oh, what flavor? Uh, raspberry. <laughs> I'm no stranger to those. All right. Uh, question number two: <laughs> Who's the biggest coach's pet you've ever been around? Ooh. Oh, that's a bigger. That's a big one, eh? Might have to come back to you on that one. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. I'll hold on to it. All right, what's your muster on a day off? Um, I like to go to the pools, do my recovery. Because obviously I'm always, I don't know why, but I'm always sore. Uh, probably because I train too hard or... <laughs> yeah, right. I just like to do recovery. Go to, go to the sauna, spa pool. Oh, bro, I need to do more of that, my man. And I'm not even on your level. All right. Uh, least, <laughs> least, least favorite fitness block, bro. Uh, MAS. <laughs> bro, that's a consistent one. Really? All the boys hate the MAS. Oh, eh? man. I, okay, I can man. totally understand why. All right. Uh, favorite cheat meal? Burger King. What's your order? I always get the Hawaiian um, BK chicken, large, with uh, two extra rodeo burgers on the side. <laughs> I like it. I like it. All right. Uh, biggest, uh, well, most regretful baller purchase. So, what I mean by that, bro, what have you gone out and spent a whole lot of money on and then like yeah. instantly regretted it once you bought it? Ooh. Um, the G Shock watch. True. How much did that I only had it up. Oh, I think it was like 300 bucks or something and then i lost it like a week later and i was like fuck why did i buy it <laughs> yeah that's pretty painful all right uh question number seven uh guilty music pleasure so who's one artist or what's one song in your playlist that you'd never yeah. play around the boys but you love it secretly um, justin bieber Bro, I'm the exact same, eh? I don't know what it is with the guy, but I'll just get into the yeah, rhythm bro, whenever I listen to the stuff. Yeah. Like, even his old music, like, you know? Very <laughs> <laughs> hard, hard, hard. All right. Um, question number eight. What's your go-to dance move? Um, the Dougie. <laughs> Everyone knows the Dougie. <laughs> bro, it seems like everyone does the Dougie, bro. I feel like 99% of the guys that I've talked to all like say the every Dougie. song. doesn't matter what song it is. <laughs> Dougie will always come out. <laughs> oh, um, who's the biggest grub you've played with and against? Ooh, there's a few out there, eh? <laughs> um... Um, I'm trying to think back, eh? It's all good, bro. I got all day. <laughs> Sorry, bro. Um, biggest grab. Yeah, that's a tough one. <laughs> I don't know, eh? I think I'm on my mind just frozen at the moment. Bro, Timmy to choose from. Timmy to choose from. It's all good. <laughs> all right. Before I get into my last one, bro, did you have a coach's pet that crossed your mind at all? 
or is there too many to choose from with there as well? Yeah, there's too many to choose from as well. <laughs> Sorry, bro. No, bro, 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 bro. Answers, bro. no, bro. I'm I'm grateful for the, all the answers you've given to me so far, bro. So, <laughs> last one, you just got to finish the sentence for me. Saturdays are for the boys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but really? No. Nah. <laughs> one day. Oh, but really? Nah. <laughs> oh, bro. I'm. <laughs> I'm grateful for everyone, bro. My Saturdays chop and change, but yeah, I'm always grateful for yeah. the boys, bro. Depends, depends. It could be, you know, family, could be with a partner. But I know everyone says it's for the boys. <laughs> <laughs> Have to keep it consistent, my man. Um, well, that's a wrap for this podcast, my bro. Just want to reiterate again how grateful um, and how thankful I am for you sitting out some time to talk to me and how transparent you've been with your answers, bro. Like I said, you're your career has been different to what a lot of mm. other players have been like. And, you know, like everyone yeah. goes through their own battles and, you know, like thankfully for you, you've come out the right side of it and you're back playing your best footy again. And yeah, I mean, I, I just wish you all the best for the rest of your campaign Jeez, with man. the Hurricanes, bro. If I see you around, I have to dap you up and possibly buy you a Coke <laughs> Zero, depending on what you're feeling like. So, yeah, my man. Cheers, bro. Thanks for best that. Wishes. Nah, it's been good, eh? See you, brother. All right, bro. I'll catch you later. Enjoy the day off. Yeah, hard, bro. Cheers. Thanks.